0: can't believe it seven, seven Sundays away from being done with this year where we have been focusing on life in the kingdom of God and we're, we're learning about what we have as the, the people of the kingdom of God and we're studying the, the book of Acts and today we're going to lean into to what we have in God's mission. God has us on mission uh, Jesus told the disciples plainly uh, of what he expected of them and what he expects of us in John twenty twenty one, he says, "Peace be with you." As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We are a sent people. We are to live our lives on mission. We receive the gift for Christ because it enables us to send people out from our congregation. One of the the great things about our congregation is that we have members that are living in foreign lands where where we know who they are. We have a friendship and a familial connection with them. And so when we go, we go with those who are of us and we give to a work that that we have hands on. And it's so important that, that we not only see those folks who are living in faraway places as living on mission, but understand that we are living on mission we have been sent. If you live in this city, if you live in this region, you've been sent here as an exile. It says in Jeremiah 29, 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. We're exiles here. This is not our home. And pray to the Lord on its behalf or in its welfare. You will find your welfare. And as those who are, who are citizens of the kingdom of God, who have life in the kingdom of God, we understand that we're ambassadors 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Our text today helps us understand what that means, what that looks like, what God's mission is, why it matters, how it succeeds. And we need to understand it's not easy. The, the, The mission that God has given to us, it's not easy. We are light in a world of darkness. We, we are here for His glory and His purpose when everything in our flesh is telling us, no, 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 make it about you. No, 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 get what you want. Get what makes you comfortable. God calls us to something far greater. We understand that God's mission has continued through many, many perilous days. You think about just the, the, since the churches existed early on in the first four centuries, there was great persecution, We look at the middle and dark ages and we see so much war and and devastation and division in the church itself. And then of course in in the last two centuries we've seen this deconstruction and even now uh, some who are claiming a deconstruction of the faith. We, We understand that God's mission is tough because there's confusion. We live in a land where liberals and progressives have undermined the scripture and gospel and redefined the mission nationalists have added to the scriptures and gospel and corrupted the mission and many churchgoers have lost interest in the mission of god and found more interested in personal development and so what one has coined as a phrase moralistic therapeutic deism has become the choice of many churchgoers it's it's about moralism it's about being good it's about being nice it's about being neighborly therapeutic it's about you feeling good us feeling okay Deism, this concept that, that we don't have to live in the presence and the power of God. There is a God, but he's indifferent to what we're doing and so we just need to do our best and get what we can. That is not the teaching of the Bible. Our, our text today is going to show us why, why it is we are to live the way we are on God's mission. What it is and, and how it is that it will succeed. We're gonna use the central text. Our, our text for today is Acts 13 through 20. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, I, I will stay within the parameters of the time allotted to me as, as determined. But I, I do want to tell you, um, we're, we are going to go back and study a, a lot of these churches, four of them in particular. And so that's why we're not giving uh, distinct time. Although today we're going to use five verses and we are going to bring out a lot of information concerning these other churches. And so I, I hope you have a pen. If not, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this again on the podcast because we're going to look through the lens of of uh, Acts 13, one through five, but we're gonna cover seven chapters of information. So lots lots of scriptures today. So if you've got your Bible and I hope that you do, let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and uh, Paisley's gonna come read for us verses one through five. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And poor Paisley has come upon the most difficult pronunciation of the year, and and so I'm sure she'll do well. Paisley, read for us one through five. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, a Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend, of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, And they are drawn to assist them. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. And Paisley can read it pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. That's not bad. If you would come and be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Well done, sweet girl. Well done. So we've we've come to this portion where we find Paul's missionary journeys. Again, uh, the Holy Spirit came. Jesus proved that he was alive. The church was persecuted. Uh, the, The missionaries began to go out. The the, the first uh, beyond Jerusalem, Judea, were saved in Samaria. After the revival in Samaria, Philip was called to a desert place and and, uh, an Ethiopian was saved. Uh, The Apostle Paul gets saved in Acts 9. The the Apostle Peter uh, breaks all uh, tradition as it pertains to relating Jews to Gentiles and Cornelius and his household is saved. Now, we, we didn't study 11 and 12, so let me tell you kind of what's going on there. Peter has to explain why he uh, went to Cornelius and why it is that these Gentiles were to be received into the family of God and the kingdom of God. About that time, Herod begins to uh, gain s- some level of acceptance by the Jews, which he already had, but he saw that it, it really pleased them when he, would, when he would arrest the apostles, so he arrests Uh, The the brothers James and John and and kills James. He arrests Peter with the intention of killing him, but Peter was led out of prison by an angel in a miraculous work. It's at this point as we come into uh, Acts 13, we see names of people that we will continue to see throughout the book, particularly Paul. We see him with Barnabas and one called, he has two names. You'll see it in your text over and over, John called Mark. Some folks call him John Mark, Uh, other places just Mark. But these three men are are now at the church in Antioch. And and it's in this church that that we find a wonderful model for all churches. Um, We we see how it is we are to, 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 to see ourselves, vision ourselves, vision the church and so th- this whole section of Paul's missionary journey, it's, it, it's very, very helpful. And it helps us understand God's mission. There's four things I would encourage you to note as we look at these five verses, but then through these five verses, see the entirety of these seven chapters. And the first thing is this: God's mission is church-based. It's church-based. You see these folks and they're at Antioch. The church at look at that in verse one, the church at Antioch. And it's important to note that there is no concept of a born again believer not being a member of a local church. All the letters that were written to the church, capital C, they were written, to, they were written particular churches, little c. Uh, that is a local family of faith. And the assumption that is that every born again believer would have access to the truth of God through that local church. And so we, we see here Saul. Now I wanna take just a minute and explain this. You're, you're gonna notice that Paul has two names. Saul and Paul, and there's always a question, and I received it this week, why two names? What's the deal? Saul is Paul's Hebrew name. Paul is is his Roman name. And so remember, Paul is not only a Jew and a Pharisee, by the way, he's also a Roman citizen. And so in order for the Apostle Paul to accomplish all that these seven chapters reveal, he had to be both a Jew and a Roman citizen. And so what you will typically notice is when Paul is dealing with Jews, Jewish people, and there's that community, he saw when he's fulfilling his mission to the Gentiles. Most of the time it's Paul. And what God did was he raised up a man that could be between both worlds because salvation comes from the Jews, so it had to come from a Jew but it was to the world, it was to the Gentiles. And so there had to be one who could use the the Pax Romana, this Roman peace, these roads and these access ways in order to get the gospel to where God had called it to be. Now now what we, we see is that God prepared him for this work and what we need to understand is that we all have a work to do and we will typically discover our calling and be equipped to do God's mission in the church. That's why it's so crucial that you get connected in a group, that you serve a ministry in the church, and why you regularly are equipped at least one time a year into a specific discipline that that we provide. Now, as we talk about, and let's get back to the main point here how God's mission is church based, we must remember that God could have organized his church and God could have accomplished his mission any way he wanted to. He's God. But he chose the church. This is Ephesians 3.10. Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. God chose to save a people for himself to gather them into local churches, local church families to accomplish his mission. Now, again, the church at Antioch is such a wonderful model for all churches for all times. Uh, Think about what the church at Antioch had. If you look in your text there in verse one, they had strong leadership. They had prophets and teachers and they had striking diversity look at the names that are listed here I want to tell you a little bit about each one of them first of all Barnabas I've told you before I love his name it's not his actual name it's a nickname Uh, Barnabas literally means son of encouragement and he was such an encouragement to the apostle this was a Jewish man who was a dear friend to the the apostles then you see Simeon and Lucius they were from Africa from different parts of Africa Uh, of of the northern uh, portion there of the continent and and so here you have this Jewish man who has some wealth who is now in this church Uh, there are two Africans who are there who have leadership then you have uh, Manan and Manan's fascinating he was raised with Herod the king and so he has this connection and background in Roman politics So think about this, you've got this rich Jewish guy who is friends with the apostles, you've got these two Africans, and and now you've got this this well-to-do, highly politicized person who who is connected, who knows what's going on in the Roman government world, and then Saul, a Roman citizen, Pharisee no less, Jew. Again, this is God's work. I was, I was looking at our staff this morning and I was just telling them, reminding them, we're here because God. We're friends because God. Those of you who are members of Living Hope today, you're here because of God. God brings us together. It's for God's glory. He provides this diversity of age and experience and, and, and with His grace, He gives leadership and then for His purpose, He gives size. This was a large church. It says in Acts 11, A great number who believe turned to the Lord. So there's a large contingency of people, but none of them. Please remember this. None of them were perfect. None of them are perfect. No one in the church is perfect. Many times the church is criticized, which I think is so silly. It's like you, you church people, you know, none of you are perfect. No, as a matter of fact, to be a member of the church, you have to admit that you're a sinner in need of saving grace in Christ alone. You have to admit that you're not perfect to be a member of the church. And so, of course, the church is not made up of perfect people. Friends, I, I read this this week and it really, it really grabbed me, this metaphor. Think of it this way. The Christian life is a song. It's a song. And not all of us sing it real well. There are some who are really good singers, there's some who are struggling to sing, there's some that have maybe even lost their voice because of the sickness of sin and it's not coming out quite as well. Friends, there's, there's only one who sings it perfectly and it's the author and perfecter of the song Jesus Christ. The rest of us, we're gonna do what we can but never ever assume or think that, that it's supposed to be perfect because n- none of us are perfect. The church is not made up of perfect people. It's made up of sinners who've been saved by grace who are being transformed into the image of Christ. And yet God has chosen to use imperfect people to accomplish His perfect plan, His mission. God blesses His church and, and He provides so many wonderful things. Uh, again, now I want to point to different portions of, of, the, of the text. I'm going to put them on the screen for you, but just just so you can get a sense of all that's there in 13 through 17. One of the things that that God blesses his church with is encouragement and refreshment. And that happens through a local church. Acts 14, 27 says, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he'd opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Listen, sometimes you're gonna come to church and you're gonna receive encouragement. Sometimes you're gonna come to church and you're gonna be the encouragement. Sometimes it's both. But we gather because it is here that we experience the encouragement and the refreshment of God. It's also where we gain clarity. In Acts chapter 15, we see one of the first councils of the church as there was a disagreement over what a Christian had to do in order to be saved. There were some who said they first must become Jews. And the council determined no. No, no, no. It's by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so in Acts chapter 15, verse 19, we see, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. This is what happens. Godly leaders are raised up and they give direction under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's why we we selected a team to outline our articles of faith and why we as a congregation took two years and so much time to to make sure that we were all in agreement about what we believe. But it takes leadership. It takes the spirit. And that's what we gain from the church. We gain clarity. We also gain help and support. One of the reasons why we receive the gift for Christ, again, is to give help and support. The Apostle Paul himself was helped. He had short-term missionaries. I want you to understand that what we do as a church with our our global impact work, it is modeled after Acts 13 through 20. Because what you see happening are are these folks who are going on short-term trips. And then also what happened in Colossae and Philippi, which is what we're going to study next year, is we see God blessing his missions blessing people overseas blessing people far away through the local church and so you think about like the church at philippi philippi sent a guy named epaphroditus on a short term mission trip to prepare and to provide care for the apostle paul as he was in jail in rome it says in philippians 2:25 i thought it necessary to send you epaphroditus my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need the church at Philippi sent him to go help Paul, who was the missionary. We need to send some of you this year to, to Georgia, the state on the Black Sea, not, not down south. We, we need to send some of you into Europe. We need to send some of you into West Africa. We need to send some of our members need to go. And we need to be an encouragement. Colossae sent Epaphras. This is Colossians four twelve and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all all the, the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. And so he represented the church to this missionary. And that's what when we send missionaries, that's what we're doing. We're sending representatives of ourselves, of our family, to those who are needing encouragement and needing help. Understand, every church family exists for God's glory. And part of what we do is, is, is we strengthen other churches. One of, the, one of the important parts of Paul's ministry was raising money for other churches. There was a time when the church at Jerusalem was, was struggling financially. There was, a, there was a drought. There was a famine. So the apostle Paul was going back to those churches in the Mediterranean and raising money to provide for the welfare and the care of the churches in Jerusalem. And so 2 Corinthians 9, 5, he's, he's speaking of these Macedonian churches. He's speaking to the church at Corinth and says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. And so... We're to have a happy, giving heart to the gift for Christ. We're to have a happy, giving heart to our tithes and offerings, knowing that that God's work is, is progressing through the financial means that he provides through our people. Friends, God does not have a money problem. God's people have a generosity problem and a faith problem. God has all the money that is needed for his kingdom work. Here's the problem. It's in our bank accounts and it's supposed to be in his. That money's being funneled in directions that, that, that do not fulfill God's mission. And we must be mindful that God has chosen through his church to, to cause the mission to happen. God's mission is church-based, second. God's mission is spirit-led. God's mission is spirit-led. So you look in verses two and four, look what's happening here. The spirit is leading. While they're, while they're worshiping and praying, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And so the church sends, but look at verse four. Look who sent. The church sent, and, but they were being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So was it the church or the Spirit? Yes. The, the, the Holy Spirit worked through the church to send his missionaries. God's people are commanded to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. This is Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And we live by the Spirit, and we keep in step with the Spirit by obeying God's commands. Again, it's as the church was doing what they were together, loving one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, exercising spiritual gifts that Parnabas and, and, and Saul were led by the Spirit to go. Now, as they went, it's amazing how the Spirit of God worked. It was different almost every time. As a matter of fact, if you study, when you study the life of Jesus, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't always deal with the same people the same way. I mean, think about how Jesus, how Jesus and the Holy Spirit, both of them, they, they dealt with different people at different times. Think about how Jesus worked with Nicodemus, how he had this very philosophical conversation and theological conversation versus James and John. And of course, Peter, he dealt with Peter way different than he dealt with James and John. How Jesus dealt with Zacchaeus, the rich young ruler, the Samaritan woman at the well and the thief at the cross, at the, on the cross. Think about all these different people who were saved. Jesus had a different conversation. Having been led by the Spirit, Spirit of God, as God, he was able to know what to do. But then think about how the Spirit led Paul and his team. Again, this will take a lot of, of study. And again, I highly recommend that you do this and we'll, we'll post this on social media. But, but think about the differences here. First of all, Cyprus, in, in Acts 13, nine through 12, Paul was confrontational. He went from one end of the island to the other, and he took out uh, a lying, uh, demon-possessed sorcerer. It's, it's very confrontational, very powerful story. Then you look at Pisidia and, and Iconium and Thessalonica and Berea and Corinth and Ephesus. First of all, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and then they went to the Gentiles. It was, it was different in every city. But these cities seemed to have a a very natural rhythm where he would go in and they would begin to preach to Jews and then be rejected and then go to the the Gentiles Lystra. They they started that ministry in in Acts 14 by healing a man. It it was a supernatural work. And then there was all kinds of confusion as they were thinking that, that, that Paul and Barnabas were Greek gods. Hilarious story. You should read it. But again, how God chose to use it. One of my favorites, and I can't, can't wait to study the book of Philippians with you next year. But in Philippi, I mean, look at this. So you have Lydia, a businesswoman, very successful businesswoman. She, she was saved at this place of prayer outside the, outside the city by a river. And then you had this demon-possessed girl in the midst of the marketplace. She is set free and she is saved. And then you've, you've got a prison guard and he was saved at work. And so you've got all these people being saved at different places, same God, same salvation, God working in different ways. Each was different. And then Athens, those of you who've gone to Athens, to, uh, to serve in Greece with our missionaries there. Uh, Many of you have gone to Areopagus. And so, you know, you see where Paul started in the the synagogue, but but he went to the marketplace and then to the Areopagus. And and the Holy Spirit led each way differently. And and here's what we need to do. Sometimes God's gonna keep us from things to accomplish his mission. I, I know that's hard to imagine, but sometimes God is gonna say, no, don't do that, do this. And that's exactly what happened in Acts 16, 6. See, Paul and and his guys wanted to go to Asia. But that wasn't God's plan. Look at this. This is amazing in Acts 16, 6, what happened. And they went through the region of of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to to speak the word in Asia. Isn't that fascinating? They wanted to go, they wanted to go northeast. God said, no, 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 keep going west. And they were forbidden. What they were praying for, what they were asking for, what they had raised funds for, God said, No. I've got something else. And there were times when you're led by the spirit, the good thing will not be what you do. You will do the best thing. And it's amazing how God does that. When God says, no, there's a good reason. And I've been living by this and I give this one to you for free. Remember this, what God allows is needed and what God withholds is unnecessary. Always remember that. As you pray and as you go through life and as you're processing pain and difficult challenges, always remember that. God knows what he's doing, trust him even when he leads us into painful places. And he did that with the apostle. This is Acts 20, verse 22. He says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish the course of the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Friends, we we don't we don't have to understand why. What we have to do is obey. And if you want to know God's will for your life, here's here's the way you're gonna discern God's will for your life. Keep going forward. If, if you stop and you say, well, I'm just going to, I'm gonna sit around for a semester or a year and just, and, just, and, just, and just not do anything. Christians are like boats. We can only be steered so long as we are moving. Friends, we must keep going forward. We must keep serving, connecting, equipping, gathering for worship, making more disciples. Wherever the Lord has it, You say, well, what if I make a mistake? What if I make the wrong choice? Don't worry about it. He'll correct you. God has no problem correcting. Can I get an amen from anybody in the kind? This is what he does. He will guide you by the power of his Holy Spirit. So it's led, it's spirit led. Thirdly, it's faith driven. God's mission is faith driven. You see in verse three, stay in, verse thir- in chapter 13, by the way. Then after fasting and praying, they, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They fasted and prayed. They laid their hands on them. They sent them. And Paul and Barnabas, look at this. They were willing to go. And they knew that they would face opposition. I mean, think about the Apostle Paul, what he knew about living on mission. When the Apostle Paul was saved and he began to announce the gospel. Look what happened to him. This is Acts 9.23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Paul knew that there would be opposition. Paul knew that living on mission for God would be difficult Barnabas had seen it in Stephen and James's death these friends of his one of whom who died with the apostle Paul then Saul approving it Peter's arrest you know you look you're there in verse in chapter 13 look at go down five go down to to verse eight look at this just five verses in it says but Elemas the magician for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them. They're not five verses into God's plan, God's will, and there's already opposition. We should never be surprised by opposition. Almost everywhere Paul went, there was opposition. External opposition in society from Jews and Gentiles. Personal opposition. Look what happened to him in Acts eighteen nine. God has to show up and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Why did God have to tell him that? Because he was discouraged because internally he was struggling with fear and doubt. And there's always that opposition from within. And then the church itself, internal opposition in the churches. That's why before the apostle went on to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 20, he gathered with the uh, Ephesian elders. This is uh, beginning in verse 29. Look what he said to them there. Very important what he said here. Our elders, we review this text at least once or twice a year. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Look at this. Look at verse 30. Look at this. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Look what he's saying. Some of you are going to, to be wolves. Some of you who are intending to do well, there's going to be internal opposition. That's why you've got to have a plurality of leaders who are always calling everyone to the faith. In life, where there's always going to be opposition, we must do what we are responsible to do by faith. And we must trust God in doing what is best by faith. Remember, God is most pleased with us when we are living most dependent upon him. It's amazing how often we want to pray for God to to make us strong, to make us independent, to to, to make us to the place where we don't have to pray and where we don't have to live by faith. We often think about how you pray. How often do you pray that, that you have all the stuff you want so you don't have any worries and thereby no need of depending upon God. But God is never more pleased with us than when we are living day by day by faith. Remember Hebrews eleven six. and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And remember, faith without works is dead. James chapter two, verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also Faith apart from works is dead. God's mission is faith driven. It demands dependence upon God. It's not something we can do in and of ourselves. It was never intended to be. It was always meant to be something that required us to, to trust in God alone. And, and then God's mission is gospel shaped. Look at verse five. I want, there's two things I want to show you here that are very, very important. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They proclaimed the word of God. And they, and they had John, that is John also called Mark to assist them. So John was there. The gospel is the power of God revealed through the word of God. And it shapes the work of God. They proclaim the word of God and it also shapes the people of God. And they had John with them. The gospel shapes the work of God in that... It is, it is God working in love to restore, heal, and make whole according to the Word of God those who hear it. The ministry is always according to the Word of God. The Word of God points to the gospel of God, and we are to make people know this gospel. The, the gospel is, is the truth that we get credit for what Jesus has done. That's the gospel. The gospel is that we no longer trust in ourselves. We're no longer relying on our good works. We're relying on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, of his living power, alive in us, guiding us. That's the good news, that's the gospel, and that's what we have faith in. And that gospel, it then shapes us. Friends, whether you're a two-day-old Christian or a two-decade-old Christian, No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, listen, God's not done with you yet. There's still more work for you to do and for work to be done in you. We were at the Western game last night and it was a lot of fun to watch these players and they're they're capable players. Really good athletes. They need to get better. They need to get better. It was, it was amazing to watch Coach Stansberry. I wish I had Elliot Pratt up here to do his voice. He always sounds like he's got laryngitis. Hey, come here, son. I want to tell you something. You're doing a good job. You know, you could just tell. He was talking to these guys. You know, and some of these guys are six-year players. I don't even know what that means anymore. I don't know how that's legal, but they are. And they still need to be coached. And, and, and with a good coach and with a humble, confident heart, a player can get better. We have the greatest coach of ever, Jesus Christ. And if we will be humble to receive his correction and competent to do what he's told us to do, we will grow. Philippians 1, 6 says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of, of Jesus Christ. God's gonna do it. He'll often use pain. He'll often use our failure. He'll encourage us with success, but there's gonna be change. So when you think about John, also called Mark, from the very beginning, he didn't do well. Hopefully you're still there in Acts th- chapter 13. Go to verse 13, look what happened. They, they went through Cyprus and they left Cyprus, that island, and they went to the main continent and they got to Perga and came to Perga and Pamphylia and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. John quit. John also called Mark quit. Why did he quit? We don't know. In the middle of the mission, they, he quit. And, and if, you, if you look at a, a map that you might have in your study Bible, what you realize is they didn't do any ministry in that city where John quit. They had to go almost 50 miles north to another city. Were they discouraged? What happened there? We don't know. But the good news is that God didn't quit on John even though John quit on God. So what we find in Acts chapter 15 is we see John also called Mark once again back in ministry. This is uh, verses 37 through 39. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them, John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Friends, remember, we can always be forgiven. What forgiveness does is it positions a person to regain trust. Trust comes over time. Trust comes after effort. Forgiveness is is given. We're commanded to forgive. And 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 we, we, we we would imagine that Paul did forgive, but he certainly did not trust. And we should never be frustrated with other people who don't trust us. If we have lost that trust, we must seek forgiveness, and that forgiveness should give us access to regain trust. Now the good news about John also called Mark is he did regain trust. This is Second Timothy chapter four, verse 11. Paul writing to Timothy, says, "Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Isn't that powerful? The guy who quit, who couldn't be trusted, is now being called upon. And even better than that, you know that that second gospel in your Bible called Mark? He wrote it. He got the eyewitness account from Peter. And God used this quitter to write scripture. Holy scripture. Friends, you may fail God. God will not fail you. He will continue to work to make you what he saved you to be. So don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on what God has for you. If you've blown it, gain forgiveness. Begin to work hard to rebuild trust with yourself and with others. And get on with God's work. John also called Mark was, is a great testimony to us all. God's not finished until he's finished. So trust him. Walk with him. Can't let setbacks stop this. Don't let failure or even success get you satisfied or, or, or overwhelmed. Walk by faith. And it's that faith that will give you life in the kingdom of God. It's that life that will that will allow you to to accomplish God's mission. You can't do it if you're not saved and some of you can't do it because you're not saved and you need to be saved. You can't do it if you're not living by faith and some of you are not living by faith, you're living by flesh. You're way too comfortable. You're you're not generous. You're, You're not seeking opportunities for growth. You're not leaning into using your gifts to serve the church and world. You're not being equipped. You're not connecting in a group. You've got excuses. I get it. I do too. Enough. Enough. Get on with God's work. Get on with God's mission. It's not complicated. Ask for help. Ask for God. And remember, the same God that worked through Saul, also called Paul, John, also called Mark, Barnabas, and all the rest it's the same god we worship today it's the same author of the bible we've studied this morning it's the same god who wants to accomplish his plan for you if you'll trust him let's stand together as we pray father we are so grateful we're very mindful of your power and your goodness we know lord that we will often be overwhelmed but lord we can trust you and so lord as we as we sing again just as in in, in, in conclusion, help us to be mindful of who you are, God. You are the God who saves. You are the God who calls. You're the God who sends. And I know some need to come and pray. And so I pray that you will encourage them to do that. Care leaders, if you would mind to come forward. And, and Lord, for some who need to be saved and some who need to be encouraged and helped in prayer today, pray they'll stick back and talk with some of these leaders who are here to serve them. We love you, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, we ask for help. Amen.